Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. everyone welcome to the hue living room it's going to be an exciting show we're talking about food well maybe more specifically how we consume food so my very special guest live on set is Rochelle Sabarin welcome to hue living room and you know what this is going to be I think a really interesting conversation because we're not going to be talking about COVID or the pandemic yeah. or we might <laughs> correct possibly yeah okay so your whole passion for food and diets, how did that all come about? You know, it's, it's hard to say like exactly when it came about. Um, like I've been a dietitian now for over 10 years and in high school I knew I wanted to be a dietitian. Um, I've always had like a passion for food and helping people so um, that passion has kind of always been there. Okay, so we do have some we're great people in our virtual room. So let's open up the chat room too as well. Um, I'm sure they're going to have questions for Rochelle because, well, who doesn't like food but who hasn't been on a diet and everything like that. So I want to give a warm welcome to Robin and Kirsten and to Nadia. And I believe that we will have some more ladies jumping in. So I am going to start, though, the show with, with you, Nadia, uh, because there is a very special event that's going to be happening August 5th here in the city at the... Canadian Museum for Human Rights, and uh, I think everybody needs to know about this. So the mic is yours. <laughs> Thank you so much, and I'm so glad to be back. Good evening, everyone. Um, yes, we are very excited. I'm representing Black History Manitoba. I am the chairperson, and we are going to be celebrating emancipation here in Manitoba. Um, the Abolishment of Slavery Act came into British Empire in 1834, and it was on August 1st. So last year, Ms. MLA Jamie Moses put forth a act to proclaim a bill in the legislative government for Manitoba to um, acknowledge Emancipation Day here in our province. And that went through, of course, because of restrictions, we weren't able to really actually celebrate the day but now we are open a little bit more and we've partnered with the human rights museum and also um, the african communities council of manitoba and we are going to be celebrating this year we have a lot of things going on on august 1st so we decided that we want to make this accessible to as many manitobans as possible and winnipegers so we are joining for the free friday at the human rights museum and that means everybody is welcome to come. We'll have a little formal ceremony and then we'll have uh, an actual mini concert. So we'll call it the Freedom Concert. 
that's going to be happening in the Bueller Hall of the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. Oh my goodness. Uh, quickly, Nadia, what time does that show start? Or what time should people arrive? The program starts at 6 p.m. with a little reception until 6.30. So then the formal part will take about an hour and a half. So I think the, um, the museum itself opens for free Friday at 5 p.m. And then we'll do our stuff. The concert will approximately start about 8.30 and we're there until they kick us out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's such a great way to start off August. Congratulations. And Nadia, I guess maybe for the rest of us here, when Jamie made this, you know, proclaimed this day, uh, what was it like for the community here to have something like this for them? It was exciting, and we love to have champions like Mr. Moses, who um, fulfills the obligation to our community to go out and make changes in our government system, in our politi political system, to include everyone. And we have a growing and active Caribbean, African, Black community here in Winnipeg. And we want to make sure that they are acknowledged and that we are going back to our history, which is what we're about. We can't make change going forward if we're not looking back and, and learning from our past. So this um, Emancipation Day celebration is to and, and acknowledge what happened in the past, to reconcile and to celebrate what we're going to be looking forward to in the future. Oh, well, that's so, so great. So congratulations. I was just wondering, um, uh, the appetizers, uh, African cuisine. <laughs> Because we are we talking have, food tonight. <laughs> yeah, that's great. No, we, we love food. Don't don't get us wrong. <laughs> we love food. Um, we will have some great appetizers from a one of our local um, restaurant caterers, um, Brown's Urban Bistro, will be doing our appetizers. And then you'll also be able to purchase a meal from Gladys's Caribbean Kitchen. We'll also be there um, making those purchases. So you can get some... Caribbean, you can get some African, a little bit of Southern. We're going to have it all combined. It's going to be a really great event. Oh, welcome. That sounds like amazing, amazing things that are just happening right here in our city. And so uh, once again, Nadia, thank you for, you know, sharing that with us, everybody. August 5th, Canadian Museum for Human Rights. Be there, I'd say around 5, 530 when the doors open and make sure that you get some of that food. Because they have some really great exhibits at the museum, too. Yes. So I want everybody to make sure they come in and check out those. They have an anti-racism one that's really interesting to look at and to get. And then come celebrate with us. Oh, okay. There. Your Friday is done. Well, you are going to stick around, right, Nadia? You I'm know, going to stick around for a bit. Thank good. you. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to open it up to the floor. And once uh, Rochelle and I talk a little bit more about what intuitive eating is. I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> so intuitive eating, basically it's like a self-care framework where you get back, like you get connected more with your body, um, your hunger, fullness cues, and also satisfaction with food because a lot of times like diet culture kind of takes away like the satisfaction that you get from food and food is meant to be enjoyed. Um, so there's like 10 principles that go with intuitive eating as well. Can you tell us briefly what the 10 are? I, yeah. Yeah, so um, a lot of the principles are, well, the first principle is rejecting diet culture um, and the diet mentality. Um, and then a lot of the other um, 
principles. They're about like gaining satisfaction with food, um, honoring your hunger, honoring your fullness, um, having joyful movement, respecting your body. Um, and there's also like um, a principle that talks about gentle nutrition. So intuitive eating also does focus on nutrition. A lot of the time people think that um, intuitive eating is just kind of like eating whatever you want, but there is like a nutrition um, aspect of that as well. Now, did you come up with this concept or was no. this something? <laughs> oh, well, you know, you could take some credit for it because you're, you're, yeah, we've never heard about it, but yeah. So where did you kind of tune into this? So there, uh, this was created by two dietitians. Um, so they, they kind of like came up with these principles and they have different books as well, like um, that you can kind of read that um, will give you more information on intuitive eating. Uh, so they came up with this in the 80s and then it's kind of like evolved from there as well. Um, so intuitive eating though, it's not just like getting in touch with your hunger and fullness cues. There's a lot more to it as well. Okay, so you're talking about cues. So what is a hunger cue? Well, a hunger cue would be like, sometimes it could be as simple as like your stomach grumbling. Um, sometimes people get headaches, you know, that could be another sign that you're hungry or dizzy, weak. Um, sometimes your moods can change if you're hungry as well. Mm -hmm. um, but often a lot of clients that I work with, they also like, they'll lose those hunger cues. Um, oh really? Yeah, sometimes after being on diets for a mm -hmm. long time, we kind of like, we train our bodies to ignore those cues. Right. Uh, right. So sometimes clients that I work with, we have to kind of like get them learning w what those hunger cues are again and get their body familiar with that. And so the same thing would go then for when you are full. Yeah. And then to stop eating, right? Yeah. So sometimes people, um, we need like, um, some more kind of like experience or um, we kind of lose those cues of when we're full and then we tend to overeat sometimes. And is that like binge eating when people go right crazy eating the cookies or the chips or whatever? Yeah, binge eating is like a little bit like it's complicated and everyone has kind of like a different story. Um, sometimes when people are binge eating too, like they kind of, they might kind of lose all sense of those cues and right. it's kind of emotions can take over. Um, a lot of the time binge eating is um, a way to cope for people mm -hmm. or people that have been on restrictive diets. Um, over time, they kind of, um, it's, it's hard to continue with that restriction cycle, so then they go and binge. Mm -hmm. oh, it's like a very, it's a vicious cycle, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna open it up. Oh, and hi, Sylvia. Oh, let's start with Sylvia. Good to see you. Hi, Hi. It's nice to be here. I'm sorry for kind of shuffling around. I'm in a different environment, so yes, just shuffling yeah. around. I don't know how the lighting is. If it's not okay, I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> so intuitive eating makes so much sense intuitively, um, but it's very hard to determine, I think, because um, I eat somewhat intuitively for sure. But it's very hard for me to tell when it's just something that's kind of so ingrained in my brain that it's not coming from a feeling versus like a connection to what I'm eating versus my brain. So I know I need to eat a lot of vegetables and a lot of high frequency um, 
vibrational foods like herbs and leafy greens and so on. But I'm not sure if that's because I know it or if it's because my body feels it. So I would love a little direction about that. But one thing I will tell you, and I shared this with Robin the other day, when I was diagnosed with cancer in 2020, I was told to go on this extreme ketogenic diet. So 5% carbs, nothing with any color other than green. So not a berry, not an apple peel, not a sliver of pepper. And I do everything to the extreme and, you know, talk about overachiever. I nailed that 5% every day. I tracked every mouthful, every nut, and I really patted myself on the back for doing such a damn good job of being an excellent patient. And what I came to realize at the end of that year of doing that was that I had developed food terror. I was terrified of raspberries. I was terrified of strawberries. Like I thought bananas were like literally from the devil because mm-hmm. they're just sugar. So it really messed with my head. And I actually went to see a different naturopath, um, not one who specializes in cancer and said, if I continue to be terrified of food, that fosters this notion that I am still a cancer patient and I do not want to identify with that. So I would like you to help me eat normally. And that's when I first started to hear this concept of intuitive eating. I have not mastered that differentiation between my intuition and my deep-seated knowledge of what is good for me. Do you have an answer for her? Yeah, so um, I'm sorry that you went through that experience with your cancer. Um, Thank you. Yeah. It was a really good experience because it really was a way to catapult me into some personal growth. So thank you for that, but it was great. It was a really good experience. Yeah, um, and yeah, that's, that's the trouble is when you go on these restrictive diets, a lot of the times it creates fear foods and Mm -hmm. can kind of create disordered eating as well. Um, And that can affect people's mental health as well. Um, Yeah, so yeah, I'm sorry you you went through that, but. um, And then she's saying like, how do you know the difference between feeling something and then having that knowledge that I should be eating that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the thing with intuitive eating is you don't have to do it perfectly. Sometimes you're going to eat because you're physically hungry, but then other times you might be eating um, for emotional reasons too, and that's okay. Like, for instance, um, for someone's birthday, um, maybe you're eating some birthday cake. Um, So we're not always eating necessarily um, just for physical reasons sometimes. Sometimes it's for pure enjoyment. Um, Yeah, um, but your question is... um, I'm a little bit confused by your question because you're kind of, um, you're confused by sometimes if you're physically hungry or emotionally hungry. Is that your question? No, it's more like, are my food choices based on knowledge or an intuitive sense of, or so an intuitive sense of what's good for me, are they based on knowledge of what is good for me or are they based on cravings? So 
you know, some of us crave carbs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. We crave carbs at different times. So when you give into that, it, how do you differentiate between this is a craving, this is um, me eating intuitively because this is what I feel like having right now versus I'm eating this because I feel like it's intuitive to eat you know, an entire plate full of green things, but is it intuitive or am I doing that out of the habit of knowing this is what I should do? Mm -hmm. and I don't even know if there's an easy answer to that because I'm really tuned into my body and I can't figure it out. <laughs> but if you can, <laughs> I'm very thrilled. <laughs> and I don't know if anybody else is wondering the same thing or if I'm just taking up all the airtime with this question. Because I don't think there's an easy answer to that. No, and part of intuitive eating is giving yourself unconditional permission to eat foods. Um, and the thing, sometimes people fear that because they think, oh, I'm just going to eat like cake and cookies and chips. But the thing is, once you give yourself permission to eat different foods, then you start craving other foods too. Like you will crave things like salads and um, fruits and all different types of nutritious foods. Um, so sometimes it can be, it sounds like it is kind of a little bit hard to differentiate if it's like in your situation. Um, I would just encourage you to like make sure you're giving yourself unconditional permission to eat different types of foods. And just don't that, binge. Right. <laughs> yeah, just don't binge. You saying that, I don't know, is anybody else feeling anxious? Like my, my reaction to that statement is anxiety. Yeah, and you know what? That's a normal reaction sometimes for people uh, when they're starting off with intuitive eating um, or once they're further in the journey with it too. Um, giving yourself unconditional permission to have foods that can cause a lot of anxiety. Because um, you might think, yeah, I'm just gonna be binging on different types of foods. And initially you might, um, you might eat more of those foods, but once you continue on your journey, um, you're not gonna be eating those foods excessively. Your body will kind of tune in um, that you want to eat a variety of foods. So we're kind of talking like, and Sylvia is, is normal. And I mean, <laughs> yeah, like we're talking and what? Okay, I Robin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and no, because the question I have when you're talking about it, giving yourself unconditional, like allowing yourself to eat whatever, how does that, or how is that helping, say someone that's got anorexia, that's got an eating disorder, whether it's bulimia, anorexia, anorexia or whatever, is that like the place where you want these people to be at so they can feel comfortable eating whatever they want? It's different when people are in like an active eating disorder. Um, like every person's gonna be a little bit different and it depends where they are with their eating disorder recovery. Um, but like say, for instance, with anorexia, sometimes they need like a meal plan at the beginning to get mm -hmm. their weight restored and they don't have those hunger and fullness cues so they can't um, necessarily implement intuitive eating um, or people with bulimia um, that are struggling with that, a lot of times it's like getting them to eat at regular times mm -hmm. and they might not be at that stage yet where they could give themselves um, 
like unconditional permission to eat food. Um, so yeah, the eating disorder, it's, it's a little bit different for yeah. intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go then to Kirsten and, then, and to Robin. I'm peer support workers, mental health and wellness. Food is a big part of it, right? And Kirsten's oh, nodding her head. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, I hear like even the conversation, like 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 Sylvia said, talking about food, and you can give yourself permission to eat what you want. And like, why as females or even just people, why do we have this conversation? And I'm just sitting in my chair, kind of sweating, going, "What? What?" <laughs> it's such a, and everybody has such a uh, has their unique personal experience and relationship with food. And it can be absolutely different to the person sitting beside you, like like yeah. beyond different. Mm -hmm. So, um, gosh, going back to um, you know how food shows up around uh, mental health and uh, just you know mental and physical health, really, which is um, yeah, food. Food's complicated. Um, I think it's no no secret that I I have a daughter who struggled with an eating disorder for years, and hers was diagnosed in a form of anorexia, and. Um, Wow, um, you know some of those. Uh, there's just so many layers to it. But sometimes, um, you know, in her situation, she could tell me she looked at food and she saw calories and she could count them. Like she could, everything was like numbers and calories. And and um, she uh, uh, she really struggled with with eating. And we did uh, you know the programs and services. And uh, you know, in, in her situation, it wasn't until her her mental health got into a healthier place that her relationship with food and her body began to change. And no matter, and looking back, no matter what it would have happened in those teen years, until she embraced and understood her mental health, um, nothing was going to change. Yeah. And it's, you know, and, and anorexia, what it means to, I mean, it's all about restriction, but where that restriction comes from, what it means to one person who struggles with that to another is, um, you know, it can be very different, yet it's still, it's restriction, right? So, oh, this is a good conversation. I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. and it's so weird. It, really, uh, Nadia, I mean, food is part of the African culture, and you eat, and it, it's a celebration. And I, I don't know, is it North Americans now? That's, I, I don't even think that you can truthfully eat healthy at a restaurant. Now, but that's my brain working, right? And, and you know, like Kristen, too, like your daughter, counting calories going, oh, my God, you know, that's got to be 5,000 calories right there. I mm -hmm. can't have that. Mm -hmm. um, but, but Nadia, like the celebration of food in your culture, uh, how, do you, how do you embrace food, I guess? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, I think depending, again, everybody is individual and everybody has their own history with with the way you eat or where the family eats um, as a culture though um, we we love we enjoy food family gatherings that's the main 
uh, event is the food. The, the one thing that I would say from what Kristen said, um, the mental health around it. I think the factor is that I know for my family, for sure, we have no filter when it comes to talking about food and talking about weight. Um, it's just, just a natural thing that someone will say. Uh, if For those who don't know me, I, I do have a twin sister um, and we just happen to be very opposite. I, I'm the bigger twin <laughs> is what they, how they uh, refer to it. Um, and yeah, in our culture, they'll, they'll have no problem t telling me you know, the, the size difference between the two of us. And growing up, I, I had to kind of learn to figure that out and learn how to be comfortable knowing that it's not out of um, any malice that they're saying it. That's just the cultural thing that they would say. And this is what I'm going, I'm traveling, not necessarily here, but traveling um, back home to Jamaica. And, and my grandmother would say it all the time. Aunts would say it all the time. Nobody would, and they wouldn't think anything of it. So when I come home and, and I'm eating and, and something like that comes into my head, then it's like, maybe I won't finish that plate or maybe I won't have that dessert. Um, things like that take a toll on people. And I know that there are young people everywhere that are probably dealing with that same thing in our community. Um, and it's just a matter of trying to figure out how to deal. Uh, some people are definitely going to be stronger than others, um, but, those are things that we consider. So I don't know if that's, it's a different perspective to have. So I don't know what Robin or Kristen, if you've ever had to deal with that kind of um, position, how you would, what would you say? Or even Michelle, um, which I love your name, Michelle, because my daughter's Michelle as well. Oh, <laughs> thank you. It's probably not um, spelled like so my name, but. <laughs> maybe not, hers is unique as well, so. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so no, things I, like that, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say, my head goes to like, like how how beautiful for for anyone just just to be comfortable in their own skin and comfortable around food and comfortable with food conversations. I mean, um, raising daughters, I think like like that would be unbelievable to raise daughters who are so comfortable like that. But what comes to mind is I have to tell you, uh, my oldest daughter got married last weekend. And um, we're spending more time with uh, her husband's family, and they were over again a few days ago. And she's an amazing cook. And she made this salad, and we're enjoying this meal because celebration is around food, right? That's a, you know, and it's family, and it's how it should be. And then um, I was asking her because she's uh, an amazing cook, and she has all these um, experiences working in restaurants and how she got into that. And then at one point she said, you know, you have to understand in, in my home growing up, um, food was, we didn't have a lot and food was a way of showing love and celebration. That was a way of uniting, showing love and that, and celebration. I thought, wow, I really like you a lot, <laughs> um, you know, and, and I just thought that was beautiful. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not always like that in the circles that we all have to, uh, maneuver in. Right. And, um, Anyways, I was thinking about that as you were sharing um, uh, yourself, your your story, and um, wow, to be to be in a place where um, you can be so comfortable around food, um, and, and especially for young people. And I, you know, I, I think back around this intuitive eating, and ideally, raising children and 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 families, that would be 
like I, I wish there was a manual that could instruct us how we could do that early on because that would be fantastic and I think that would save a lot of young people struggles um, but yeah when you go into a, a program for weight restoration um, it's so far from intuitive eating and it's all about manual eating and being told and I mean you know hopefully I guess at one point you get into intuitive eating and um, my daughter now has a very healthy relationship with food she loves food she enjoys food and um, she looks great uh, but it was not like that for many years, and uh, I wish we need we need intuitive man eating manual uh, for preschoolers. That's what we need. There you go. Yeah. There, th thank there you. you. Enough okay. Enough <laughs> Rochelle. I love that comment though because uh, like I have a five year old daughter, and she's a huge motivator for me. Um, I think like kids' relationship with food starts off so early, um, so it's important to like foster that healthy relationship. So what are some of the things you do with your daughter then to do that? You know, I talk neutrally about food with her. Mm -hmm. So I don't say like certain foods are bad or good or healthy or unhealthy. Food is just food. And I try to incorporate all different types of food. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll have, um, you know, we have ice cream and we incorporate all different types of food, you know, all different types of nutritious foods too. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I find like she actually like she'll ask for apples and things like that. Um, right. So it, I find like it's really helped foster a healthy relationship with food for her talking really neutrally about food. Mm -hmm. And we have to be careful too because food could be used as a way of controlling them, right? Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of my dog. Treats, <laughs> but a treat to have an ice cream cone or a treat to have a chocolate bar. Yeah. and all of those things right is that that's probably not a great thing or yeah so I don't I try not to refer to foods as treats mm -hmm. just food is food and I find that's really helped yeah yeah so uh, but it is hard like it's it's challenging as a parent to kind of um, have that balance because like yeah sometimes you do worry like is my kid getting enough nutritious foods exactly so yeah it's a fine balance for sure so fine balance, mental health, mental wellness. Uh, Robin, your turn And all of this. This one bites. This one <laughs> bites a lot. Um, I was talking to Sylvia about it the other day. So I may cry, but that's okay. That's about being authentic. But um, one, uh, when I was younger, um, my brothers called me Pud. And I look back on pictures now and I'm like, I'm an average size kid, what the hell? <laughs> and then like, um, you know, my brothers would steal the food off my plate if I ate slowly. So I learned to eat really quickly. And then I didn't like care about the food. It was just like, oh my God, I have to eat quickly or there's nothing. And the other thing I think had a huge impact um, was not a, as a teenager, I knew, I knew there was a guy in this body and I was like, oh, this is the wrong one. This is not the body that is how I feel. But I used food to stuff that. Mm -hmm. Like, and I got like bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And 
I kept trying everything. Like I think I've tried every diet known to mankind. And of course it doesn't work because it's like, don't have this, don't have that. And so it wasn't about intuitive eating. It was about what I can't have. And then you get into this place of, well, if I can't have it, I want it more. So I became the quintessential binge eater. Like, I don't know, I've seen them in Canada, Tim Tams in the stores, those yummy chocolate biscuits. I used to eat four packets and then stuff the packets at the bottom of the trash can so nobody saw them. And it was all about me not being happy with who I was and not accepting all of me. So when I, when I go back and think, yeah, intuitive eating is one thing, but also allowing us to be who we are and supporting us to explore who we are as people. And what does that look like? So I I don't know if it's one or the other. I think there's a combo in there. And I'm um, truth be told, I had um, gastric sleeve surgery in 2014 now. Okay. I didn't get much smaller than I am now, which is like, what? But I, um, for the year after surgery, what I ate was peanut butter Reese's, Kit Kats, and village in cakes and i lost enormous amount of weight i was just like i'm gonna eat what i want yeah um and i just i i look back and i was talking to sylvia the other day because i haven't been as happy as i could be lately and so i've either eaten crap and i call it crap because i ate so much of it or nothing to the point now where it's also impacted some physical stuff with my heart. So listening to this conversation is tough because in this moment, I'm fighting with myself about what I do about food. So I love the conversation about intuitive eating and I think what I want to say is if we can like support people to explore for themselves and not judge and not get on people's cases, people and, and find out who they are and what works for them. I just think we have a better shot at this. Sorry. I don't, I really have no idea if I made sense because I just want to yeah. probably made a lot of sense mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and part of like intuitive eating is um focusing on your emotional needs too so what you've gone through um filling your emotional needs with uh, coping with food a lot of people struggle with that like a lot of people use food as a coping mechanism so you're not alone with that wow do you have a website, maybe, if you want to share the website for you? Yeah, uh, so my website is www.sabarin-nutrition.com. Um, okay, so we've had a lot of talk now. What are some of the ways, I guess, Rochelle, that you do to help people? Mm -hmm. What are some of the things, you know, like int intuitive eating, but what else do you do as a dietitian? Yeah, so um, I started my... Um, practice in April of 2021 
Um, I use intuitive eating principles, but it really depends because every person is going to be in a different stage. Um, so I do help people that are um, working through eating disorder recovery, um, and I help people with binge eating, emotional eating, um, stress eating. Um, a lot of people I work with, they've like um, struggle with chronic dieting their whole life or disordered eating. Um, so yeah, like each person's really different with kind of where they are and different strategies that I use. So I use kind of like a customized approach with mm -hmm. everybody that I work with. So when the client or when these people come to you, do they know themselves what um, is wrong? Well, I'm not wrong with them. That's the wrong word. Do they know, I guess, what disorder they have? Or they're just kind of coming to you going, what's, what's wrong? Some people that I work with, they've struggled with eating disorder, like an eating disorder for like 25 years. Mm -hmm. So they have been formally diagnosed. Other people, um, they don't okay. have a diagnosis. They're just wanting help with their relationship with food. It really, yeah, I every don't. person's different. <laughs> <laughs> well, and yeah, yeah, I, yeah your job is, is pretty hard in trying to navigate through all of this. Uh, ladies, uh, quickly, if, is there anything else that you want to ask Rochelle? They're quiet. We can't have quiet in a podcast. Okay, they're silent. I'll, I will do. I will do the description. They're all looking very pensive. <laughs> I'll ask a question because yes. I um, have spoken to a dietitian pre previously, and not only for myself but also for my daughter as well. But I, I wanted to know what your thoughts are about, because um, I love food, and I enjoy food, but I don't, I don't like enjoying my food with others around. Mm -hmm. So like, mm -hmm. for example, um, I don't eat during the day at my job. Okay. And the reason why I don't eat during the day, I find my job fairly stressful. And I mentally in my, in my head, I'm thinking I'd like to go and take a moment to kind of de-stress and enjoy my food. But then on my other hand, I'm thinking, I want to take a moment and go enjoying my food. And I can't do that while I'm in my office. So I, I just stop doing it. And I know it's not good. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to grow and I know that that's not a good idea. But I look forward to coming home and eating. So <laughs> I don't know if anybody has ever felt like that. But what would your, what would your um, take on that be? So many people um, kind of work through, like they're struggling with that, too. Um, that I've worked with. A lot of people like they'll eat a small breakfast and then not have any lunch and then when they get home um, they're overeating because they haven't eaten during the day. Do you find that you struggle with that sometimes? I wouldn't necessarily say overeating. I just I, I want to enjoy it and yeah. I find the comfort of my home makes it more enjoyable for me. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I will do the same. I'll have like a smoothie or, or something really quick in the morning and then I will not eat during the day okay. and then just go through my day and then come home and have like I'll cook and do whatever and have really a really nice meal. Okay. Um, yeah, like it is more optimal if you could eat throughout the day just to keep your energy levels up, keep your blood sugar stable um, and to prevent yourself from like overeating in the evening. But yeah, I, I do understand that sometimes it's hard when you have a stressful job or like maybe you find you can't enjoy the meal at work. Um, 
Yeah, I would just try to encourage you maybe to have like small snacks throughout the day then. Hey, I, I've got a question. Yeah. So, um, you know, sometimes, well, actually lately more often than not, I can't be bothered eating. And I have people who get on my case about it. What would you do with someone like me? Like, I just <laughs> cannot be bothered. I live on my own and I'm like, I cannot be bothered. Yeah. Cooking, getting anything. I yeah. just can't. You know, I think sometimes we think meals have to be really complicated. If you're feeling like that, try to stick to really simple things. And it's okay to have... Um, more convenient foods sometimes if you're feeling like that like a lot of grocery stores have different a lot of different options um, for more convenience foods that are healthy and nutritious doesn't help doesn't i've tried to, like i i buy the simple and i just look at it and go i don't want that mm -hmm. like sometimes it's there and all it would be was put it in the microwave and I go, I can't even be bothered. Okay. I don't want that. Maybe you need to set the table, put some candles on, light the candles, put a nice wine glass there. Pretend you're in a restaurant. <laughs> it sounds like you've already made your mind up. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I think and I think some other people might struggle. I've heard people yes. struggle with this, right? Mm -hmm. I don't enjoy living on my own. I do. And I just go, what's the point? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, like, I'm saying this not because I think you have an answer, but I think I just want to be real and put it out there that I know other people who sometimes struggle with that too. Like, when I have the willpower and the motivation, you can't stop me. When I don't, screw that like mm -hmm. and, yeah and and that just like layers on layers for mental health right so yeah. i yeah. think it's just good to put it out there mm -hmm. like to say to everyone listening we recognize this stuff we know it's real mm -hmm. no for sure Sylvia. Yeah. yeah um robin you don't, and if I'm putting you on the spot, you do not need to respond to this. This might be a rhetorical question. What's underneath that? Because I think there's something underneath that that's maybe says, you're not worth it. Um, look, you and I talked about this the other day, and I think that's one of the things in terms of sometimes I wonder if it's the chicken and the egg, right? Like, because our diet impacts our mental health, but our mental health can also impact what we do in terms of, and I say diet, not meaning restrictive, but yeah. just what we eat. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, like I sit here sometimes and, and go, which comes first? I, I don't know. Like, I think they're so intertwined. Um, so I love that you've taken this topic for discussion, Tracy. Because I, I, I Rochelle, think it's, yeah, I think yeah. I think we can continue this on because we haven't even touched body image and what is out there for females if we're really talking about it and what we portray to our kids and everything like that too. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. can I have you back on? Oh, I would love it. This has been so much fun, and 
the conversation that we've all had. I love all of the talking points that you guys have said. So before uh, we leave, though, what is one thing that you can tell our viewers that would lead us towards more intuitive eating? Leaning in. <laughs> <laughs> all ears and eyes. <laughs> I think, you know, diet culture is a huge influence on our diet and how we see ourselves. So I think trying to remove ourselves or just recognizing diet culture, um, it shows up in so many places, like the radio, everywhere. So I think, you know, just recognizing diet culture is a huge place to, like that's a great place to start. Okay, and so no to diets? Yes, I would say no to diets. <laughs> there, just to clarify, but anyways, yeah, no, Rochelle, let's have you back on again, okay? Okay. In the near future. Thank you so much. Okay, thank Michelle, you. and thank you ladies and for joining in tonight. Really appreciate it. Don't forget, it's Black History Month in Manitoba, their big Emancipation Day celebration on Friday, August the 5th at the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. So thank you again, Nadia, for sharing all of that information as well. So the conversation will continue. Robin, set a nice table, pour yourself a nice glass of wine, and make that healthy meal. You'll feel I'm not much drinking anymore, but I'll okay. try that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A nice glass of apple juice. Okay. <laughs> we love you. All right. So thank you everybody for joining us on this edition of Hugh Living Room. We'll see you in two weeks with a brand new guest. Take care. Yeah. Bye, Tracy. Bye, Bye everybody. Bye. Bye. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com. Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.